He came home cranky. It'd been a bad day in the office. Everything that could go wrong seemingly went wrong. Nobody did their job they were supposed to. There was confusion in the place of work. And he brought all of that home, cranky, mad, irritated. She had had a terrible day. She came home grumpy because they forgot to give, the nursery forgot to give their four-year-old her medicine that she's supposed to have every morning. She came in, she was upset, she was mad. She fixed a dinner she didn't want to fix. He came home when he really didn't want to do anything. And there they sat at the dinner table, grumpy and cranky. You've been there, right? His wife has fixed dinner. She has it on the table. They're looking at it. It's time to eat. And they did what they knew they were supposed to do before they ate. They bowed their head. And their four-year-old said, Dear God, it's Emily. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you, Lord. Mom and Dad are mad. I don't know why they're mad. We've got a home. We have a dog. Praise the Lord, yes. We have toys. We have food to eat. We have each other. But they're just mad. They're not happy about anything. Maybe you can get them to stop being mad, God. Please do. Or it's just going to be me and you having fun tonight. Amen. The prayer was answered before it was even finished because during her prayer, Mom and Dad looked up at each other and realized what they had been and how they'd acted. They looked at each other and smiled. And when she said amen, they said amen, and they began to laugh, and the family had a good time. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 6 through 18, the Apostle Paul says this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You remember that Paul had been forced to leave Thessalonica. He didn't leave willingly. But soon after some of the Jews and many of the Gentiles came to faith in Jesus, he writes this letter of thanksgiving and this letter of instruction to the church at Thessalonica, a very young church, I'll remind you, that he had had a part in establishing it. Mostly they wanted to know about believers who died in their question. And he has addressed that right before this, if you remember in the fourth chapter. He addresses what has happened to those that have died and about Jesus coming again, and he explains that in the 13th chapter as he tells them that the dead in Christ will rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we 
ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. But now, he goes to his final remarks, starting at the first of chapter 5. And he tells them how to live life as Christians. How to live life on the daily basis. How to live in the real world. Sometimes when they're all together and there's praise and there's worship and, and there's singing and there's laughter and there's a study of the Word of God, everything seems to be hunky-dory and everyone seems to be okay. But he reminds them that they have a duty beyond those times of being together. They have a duty, they have a will of God that they need to know and to be obedient to after him being there and them being left there to carry on as a church. And he gives them these words, these closing words there in the fifth chapter. Rejoice always. I read it again. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We come to this time of worship this morning on the Sunday prior to Thanksgiving. Matter of fact, when we get through, I trust every last one of you from the front pew to the back pew on every section will stay for our Thanksgiving meal. There are folks that have been laboring to make it a wonderful experience. The food will be good. There will be both turkey and ham and all the trimmings. You could not have a better meal. It may be almost as good as grandma's. But we're going to meet together and enjoy that meal after the service. But right now, I want to talk to you about life after you go home today. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes for this Thanksgiving week about how you're to live every day. We live in a world that's in turmoil. We live in a country that is in turmoil. We live in a state where things are better than most states, I'll have to say. And we're thankful for that. We live in a city that things are mostly good, but we have problems here in our state and in our city. And we see on every street, every street corner, every intersection, in every store that we, that we visit, we are confronted with the sinful nature and the disobedience of mankind. We live in an unregenerated world. We live in a world that does not have a faith and a belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. The kids, when I came along, and most of these older adults came along, Jesus was the center of everything in the community. The church was loved and respected even by those who did not attend church. The local pastor walked down the street and people just gave way to him as not even being a part of the church because he was respected and revered as the pastor. Christians were looked up to. Sometimes they were even feared because of the strangeness that they presented in a walk of faith in the midst of a world that did not understand faith. 
But we live in different times today. We live in a time when a lot of places and a lot of people absolutely disgustingly hate the church. They have no respect for the things of God. They have no respect for the Word of God. They, they never turn to it. They never read it. They never go to church. They never have anything to do with the Christians. They have nothing to do with the church. They know nothing about worshiping God. They don't even know God in a personal way. But see, when you come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, when you come to know God in a personal way, Along with that comes the privilege and the responsibility of having fellowship with him, of knowing that he has saved you individually, that he has given you the Holy Spirit who indwells you as a believer, that he has given us his word to guide our every move and our every thought, that we may understand what is his perfect will for all of us in everyone, every day of our lives. And we have that as we've come to faith in Christ. So that says to me, if that is true for us as Christians, we know Jesus, we have a relationship with him, we know the joy of the Lord, we've experienced forgiveness of sin, we have the awesome privilege of, of bringing all of our difficulties and all of our needs and all of our failures before the, for the, for, excuse me, before the Savior, and to know that he's willing to forgive, ready to forgive, has already paid the price that we can be forgiven, and that our sins can be erased from us as though we never sinned at all. We have that wonderful joy of knowing our sins were nailed to the cross, as a songwriter wrote, and we bear them no more. As Christians, we have we have a relationship through the Lord Jesus Christ that we can pray and confess our sins and he is faithful. I'm quoting a lot of scripture here. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Those things that I'm telling you are not the words of the preacher man. They're the words of God himself in his word. And every child of God, as John writes his first epistle, he says, my little children. He's talking about those who have been born into the faith. And he tells us we can know some things. We can practice prayer. We can take everything we've ever done and confess it to the Father. And that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of every unrighteous deed in our lives. So we come in this place today, not as the world, not as the world mad, not as the world that's disgusted, not as the, as the world that is lost and has no relationship with God. As believers, you and I have a perfect, wonderful relationship with God the Father through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you received him as Lord and Savior, when you were born again, when you believed by faith that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on the cross for your sins, that he was buried, and he rose again after three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, and that he is now ascended to the Father to make intercession for us, seated at the right hand of the Father. When you understand that and come to faith in him, he gives his Holy Spirit to indwell you as a believer 
and he reminds you of the things that Jesus has taught us. He reminds you of the words of God that are recorded in the Bible, and he reminds you of your relationship with him and that he calls you into fellowship with him day after day after day. Our problem is we don't respond to the invitation. We don't respond to the reminder. We don't respond in our everyday life to the perfect will of God to walk in fellowship and communion with Him. Now, just a few minutes, we're going back to the, to the fellowship hall, and we're going to fellowship together. going to be eight people around every table fellowshipping together. Our deacons, that some of you say they don't do anything, they do a lot. And they're going to do a lot today. They're going to serve you your food. And your staff that you think, the, the, the ministerial staff, that all we do is work on Sunday, we're going to show you. We know how to serve food, too. We're going to dip the food and, and give it to the deacons on the plate to bring to you and serve it. And we're going to have a good time in doing that. But let me tell you something. We are called to have fellowship with Jesus every day. We are instructed, we are encouraged, we are admonished to have fellowship with the Lord Jesus in every day of life, bringing all of your cares and placing them in his control that he may forgive, that he may meet your needs, and bringing all your cares to him, as Peter says, for he cares for you. The songwriter said, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. Can I tell you this morning, Jesus cares for you. And you can say the words of that song right now from the bottom of your heart to the top of your head and to know that they are true, that no one ever cared for you like Jesus. He loves you. And oh, how much the songwriter finally ends that with, how much he cares for me. And he invites us to walk with him and to fellowship with him. And if we ever remember those things that the Apostle Paul tells us in this passage, that they would guide our everyday life, that these words that, we're given to, given, that are given to us as instructions to us, if we would abide just by these three verses what a difference it would make in your life and my life. And oh, what a difference we would make in the community where we live and throughout this United States and the world. Listen to what he says. Rejoice always. Now, I'm not talking about some happy clappy going around. Oh, praise the Lord. You know, that, 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 that's not real. I'm talking about rejoicing in your spirit. Rejoicing in the Lord. He's made me glad, not a happy, clappy mad, glad, I mean, <laughs> a happy, clappy glad. He's made you a real gladness in your soul, in your spirit, in your heart, for your sins are forgiven. You have been birthed into the family of God. You're a child of God, a joint heir with Jesus. You are somebody to God. And he says, Rejoice. Always. Sometimes it's hard to rejoice. 
It's hard to rejoice in the time of the death of a loved one. It's time for a it's hard for a parent to rejoice. I'm gonna hit tender chords here when your child gets married and leaves. It's hard for a parent to rejoice when that child has finally gotten old enough to get that 16-year-old permit to drive around in a death vehicle. And the insurance on the car goes like this. It's hard to rejoice when that child comes and tells you, I'm ready to go to college and I'm going to move to another town somewhere and go to college. That's not easy. But he tells us in everything to rejoice. For this is the will of God for you. To rejoice in everything. Does that mean we're happy clapping? No. It means we know that God is in charge. He's in control. He has a perfect plan and will for our life, for our children's lives. And for our grandchildren's lives. And we're to walk in the joy of knowing he is the one able to meet our need. Rejoice always. You, you see, that theme appears over and over in the New Testament. Matter of fact, Jesus said, these things I've spoken unto you, that your joy may be full. John says in his first epistle, these things I've written unto you, that your joy may be full. And that's what joyful means, to be full of joy. That we can be rejoicing in the Lord because of his goodness, his blessings, his calling us out of sin and degradation and calling us into the marvelous light of his presence and the glory of knowing that our sin debt is paid and we are a part of the family of God. Rejoice always. He says, you see, joy is internal. Happiness is based on chance. Joy is based on choice, the choice to follow Jesus. Happiness is based on circumstances. Joy is based on Christ. This joy that Paul is writing about here is within the Christian community. It comes from within the Christian. It baffles me sometimes to see that the Christian church doesn't walk in joy every day. And again, I'm not talking about happiness. I'm talking about peace and joy of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. Folk, we should be the most joyful people on the planet. That does not mean we're not concerned about situations. We certainly are. Certainly the Christian cares about others and cares about the community and the situations in our community and in our world. We are concerned about those things. But in the midst of controversy, in the midst of strife, 
in the midst of sinful conditions all around us, we should live in the peace and the joy of the Lord. Joy translates into peace of the heart. Question is, do you have the joy of the Lord? And then he says, never stop praying. Pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean you walk around everybody, everywhere mumbling. You just try that for a while and see what hospital you wind up in. You know, it doesn't mean that you walk around mumbling. Now, some folks may do that because that's their nature. We don't do that while ignoring the world that is around us and others that are around us. Of course not. What it does mean is that you never, ever give up. We're to trust the Lord, regardless of the circumstances and what things appear to be and seem to be, because it is out of the darkest night that the light of the morning comes through and joy comes breaking into our lives when we've come through that dark time and those dreary times and the time of suffering and the time of sickness and the time of death. We come through that on the other side. And what returns in our heart is the joy of the Lord. And we're to always rejoice in Him. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 12, it is an excellent example of praying and never giving up. He says, Rejoice in our confident hope. He says, be patient in trouble and keep on praying. We're to always trust God. We're to never quit praying. We're to never give up. We're to never lose hope. We certainly have plenty to be praying about today. I can grant that with you, that we do. So much strife in our land, so much hurt, so much hate that we wouldn't know anything about if it wasn't for network news. Sometimes I wish it'd go off there, all of them. So much disappointment. So much disappointment in the actions of those who do not know the peace of God. And, and we live in the midst of a world like that. So much strife. But this isn't the time to throw up our hands and to say, I give up. I can't do anything about it. I just give up. But it's a time to throw up our hands in praise and worship of the one who can deliver us from it all. And meet our needs. Never stop praying. And then finally, what this season is about this week, thanksgiving. Being thankful. Listen to what Paul says. In everything, give thanks. There are a lot of things in my life I don't understand. There have been times in your life when you walked through a situation where you just didn't understand why it was happening. You didn't understand how you were going to make it through it. You may have gone through the death of a loved one and it seemed like the end of the world and you didn't know if there was life beyond on this planet for you. You didn't know how you were going to 
get rest the next night. You didn't know how you were going to have any joy in the future. You didn't know how you were going to make ends meet in the future, but you kept walking as a child of God. You kept trusting. You kept being thankful that he was yours and you're his. And through it all, the song says, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Have you learned that? The one who wrote that had learned that lesson a difficult way. There was a man by the name of Stephen Adams, not this Steve Adams. Stephen R. Adams who was a gospel singer. He was doing pretty good. But he was working part-time at a furniture store in his hometown. And a tornado came through and destroyed that furniture store while he was at work. And when it destroyed the furniture store, it splintered into so many thousands and thousands of pieces that a splinter of, of wood about this long went piercing his throat and through his larynx and ate the back of his neck. He was taken after some time when they got him out of the rubbish. He was taken to the emergency room. And he tells about being in that emergency room and the curtain being drawn and there's a bright light over him and the doctors and the nurses are trying to minister medicine and and techniques unto him to get him through this to see if there's any hope. He says, and it began to get dark. And he wrote this song after recovery. In the dark room of my suffering, there's a light that comes shining through. And he gives me peace in the midst of the storm. You've been in a storm lately? Surely you have. But God will give peace and joy. And for that, we're to always be thankful even in the midst of the storm. Can you imagine them reading this? Their fellowship is in turmoil. So many unanswered questions. They're such a young church. They, they don't know all the truths. They're depending on the Apostle Paul to write back. And he writes back, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Can't you see those guys sitting around? In everything, give thanks. <laughs> Does the Apostle Paul know what we're living in? Does he understand the strife here? Do you, does he understand how much we're bitterly hated by the Jews that have not been saved about the world that lives around us, the Gentiles that want to have nothing to do with the God that the Jews know? Does he understand the strife of our life? Does he understand the persecution that we're going to do? Does he understand the confusion that we face? And he says, pray without ceasing. Why should we do that? Why should I pray? God's left me in this mess. 
God's left me in this turmoil. God has taken my loved one away. Why should I pray to him? The rest of the verse says, because this is the will of God for you. Wow. The will of God. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks. For this is the will of God for you. This Thanksgiving season. When you'd say, well, it's a little hard to be thankful right now. Perhaps that's your attitude. I hope it's not. But sometimes it is a little hard for the flesh to be thankful. Remember what this old preacher said on this morning. Straight from the word of God. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And always give thanks in everything. Because this is the will of God. No other explanation needed. No more encouragement needs to be uttered than to say to you, straight from his word, not from a preacher's sermon, straight from his word, this is God's will for Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you taught us to pray. You told us to pray that our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Father, it is at our worst moments that we suddenly realize how far we slipped away from where we ought to be and have miserably failed in reaching the lost world with a life-changing gospel of Jesus our Lord. We have foolishly lived as though your blessings are automatic and merited, when in fact, your word teaches us that the very opposite is true, that the blessings are promised upon a contingency that we do as you ask us to do in obedience to your will. Father, as we approach the Thanksgiving holiday, we obediently turn to you, seeking your unmerited favor and grace, your mercy, and that through our receiving those things and rejoicing over what is ours, in Christ and never cease from thanking you and praying that a lost world around us may come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ 
Use us for your glory. Lord, fill our emptiness with your fullness. Fill our disparity and our desperation with unity and wholeness. Meet our needs. Give us joy unspeakable and full of glory. And may you be praised in the way that we live it out, giving you thanks all the while. In Jesus' name, amen.